Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamer irradiated, ejected from its home world, and aired live every week only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Yeah, hey. Hi, Frank. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, Good, Fair, and Poor to You Newbies. And try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. All month long, Near Mint is celebrating the Man of Steel by covering all things Superman. Fresh off of Action Comics 1000, it's high time we look into some of our favorite stories from The Last Son of Krypton. And of course, as we wrap up this wonderful month, we have to talk about the thing that is become synonymous with Superman stories, the death of Superman. Which one? What better way to wrap things up than by murdering Superman? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We are going to talk about two comics today, actually. We're going to talk about The Death of Superman, the 1992. Thank you. The 1992 storyline that killed off Superman to it, much fanfare and horror on the, the legitimate media. Uh, which uh, shocked me at the time as a kid. And we're also going to be covering Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which is a 1986, was it? I believe it was. Yes, it was. 1986 comic by Alan Moore, mm-hmm. which that was an attempt to wrap up uh, the Superman stories, the action comic stories from Superman in preparation of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. It was actually it actually took place, I believe, while Crisis was yeah. uh, being published. And uh, just prior to the relaunch that followed Crisis. So let's talk about the the book that most people think of when they think of the death of Superman. And uh, to be honest, I might even go as far as saying most people think of this book, even if they've never read it, like me. Really? (laughs) Yes, I dodged this bullet. I think I may actually have known you when this came out, and I am shocked that you never read this, knowing how big of a fan you are. (laughs) You could only afford one copy, and you insisted on keeping it polybagged. That's actually how I know that I know Kim at that time, because he has his polybagged, or at least he did a few years ago, I think it was pinned up to a corkboard, which at the time I was like, that's kind of defeated the purpose of putting it in a... Keeping it in a poly bag, isn't no, it? No, I didn't have it in a corkboard. No, I, I had it, I had one bag, but I actually had one that I opened to. Oh, of course, because yeah. mm. you got to be a connoisseur. I dodged this <laughs> um, this media, f- this this hype train. Uh, I, I distinctly remember wa- hearing about this on regular, like eight o'clock news, yeah. network television news, which is weird. And nowadays, comic books are. In, but at that time, no one talked about comics. Did you ever hear the story about how this actually happened? Uh, probably, but I'd like to hear it in podcast form. Over years of uh, working in the bullpen with all the writers, it got harder over time to come up with new stories and story arcs for Superman. And one of the things that I believe it was Jurgens during a lot of these meetings periodically would just jump in and say, well, why don't we just kill him and, as a joke? <laughs> and they all left it off and said, OK, so what do we have? And then they would come up with a new story. And eventually they hit a, a snag where we're like, we don't know what to do right now. And like, hey, Dan, didn't you say something about killing Superman? <laughs> I, I think they ran up right against the Superman has to help out a bunch of mutants in the sewers. <laughs> it's, and, and, and then realized, okay, no, we, we actually are out of ideas. Okay, let, let's yeah. do Dan's thing. There is a little bit more ridiculousness that I have uncovered. I don't believe I knew this at the time. And the fact that, I, I, first I want to build a picture that this was 
a milestone event, a uh, watershed event for all of pop culture. Mm. I mean, it again, comic books were never that influential overall in in certainly geek was not chic at that point no. in the in the 90s. Uh but uh, Superman was iconic, and when news spread that they were going to kill Superman, everyone spoke about it. Yeah, let's not forget, this was the uh, the early 90s. They were riding the crest of the new, dark, brutal Batman movie. Yes. And we're starting to question, people are starting to realize, what what are these kids reading? These comic books are really dark yeah. Nasty anti-heroes. It was maybe second wave of comic yeah. uh, fear. So, and it was it was grim dark versus the iconic Superman, the Big Blue Boy Scout, and here they are killing the Big Blue Boy Scout. Right, and you had to look back as as a company versus company issue at that point. You know, DC was the big dog that was. Uh, slipping in sales and Marvel had just come out in in 90 by releasing X-Men with Jim Lee and Chris Claremont which was a huge deal it was one of the biggest selling books I think ever it was, yeah, like, it was 91 it was like definitely like in like the millions which everyone was like how did this one book get this many books in print right and, and the answer six covers but <laughs> <clears throat> some of them foil and holograms or what have you so it's almost like well how do we compete with this here is the piece of information that was missing in my early uh, awareness of the death of Superman. That the original writing team, I think Louise Simonson was on, was was, she was there. Part of, Louise part of it, Dan Jurgens. There's a few names I'm, I'm I'm blanking on right now, but all the people who were working on all the Superman stories at the time, uh, four individual books at the time, by the way, had been planning on a Superman marries Lois Lane storyline. Yes. That was their go-to. That's what they had been writing for and planning for for a while. And there was a little TV show called Lois and Clark that and I cannot believe. Like, I'm, I hope I established how big an event when, you know, regular news is talking about it. I can't believe that they. it was basically sparked by the fact that Lois and Clark wanted to wait and time out the marriage of... Clark Kent and Lois Lane until their like their like finale. They wanted it to be a major thing. They wanted a big synergy yeah. with the comic books. So they made DC comics. Even back then, comic books are the the redheaded stepchild of multimedia companies. They're not gonna get the they they had to put the break on the story they had prepped. So that's when that meeting <laughs> happened, yep. where they were like, uh, what else have we got? Well, let's just kill them. Yeah. Which is that's the best response. So, to so that. petty, so beautifully petty of, oh, we can't marry oh. our character? We'll just kill him instead. How about that? Yeah, that Can works. you believe it? That and, is insane. And then afterwards, the media hype because of the announcement, yeah. which I'm sure upset the producers of Lois and Clark, oh, The New Adventures of Superman. They had to have. But. That show ran for, what, four seasons? Like, I don't think anybody thought that show was going to run that long. And I can only assume that the death of Superman was one of the things that brought it back into the public eye and actually gave it ratings. Possibly. I mean, anything else kind of makes sense, I guess. I mean, it was kind of okay. So I remember at the time not wanting to do this because at this point I was aware that things in comics aren't permanent. Which is a weird thing to say, mm. but at the time I was just becoming like, this isn't going to last. And it felt kind of like a publicity stunt yeah. and also insulting. Because Superman was Superman, 
And I did not want to see him die in this way. So I refused to read it. It was definitely very easy to see this as a crash commercial money yeah. grab. Even as a child. How about you two? How did you, uh, do, how, what are your memories of encountering this story? I remember, again, hearing it on the news. It was like the five o'clock news coming home from school at one point, I think. Mm-hmm. And being like, wow. And I'm like, I might have to start reading Superman. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was kind of my reaction too. Was, I, I heard about it on the news and thought I don't like Superman books that much, but this seems important. Yeah, I, I can't remember whether or not I don't think I was a reader by the, in the nineties, which is I guess partly you know a theme we keep coming back to on these Superman books is both it's tied to nostalgia and memory that these are like long standing long standing characters that you care a lot about, but at the same time it's very easy to fall off the wagon. I don't know what that means necessarily, but it did mean that at the time, even the comic book like conversations I saw was, you got to read this just for the event, not yes. necessarily because of it's a continuation of a story that mattered. Right. Yeah, um, I've always been kind of of the school where I'm curious when when you have even these bi- these big, you know, money grab events, the stunt, yeah, writing. I'm always curious to see how they pull it off. Right. So let's talk about how they pulled it off. Uh, my first read through of this, did you guys read it at the time? Did you both? I, I Actually, yeah, I was getting the books uh, each week when they were coming out. I, I only read the death issue, Superman number 75. I see. So uh, well, I was surprised to find out, and of course, full spoilers on everything we're going to be talking about. Superman dies at the end. Was that Doomsday... Uh, had no, there was no explanation. This was not the tail end of an arc where we already knew who Doomsday was. Mm-hmm. Doomsday was a character created out of whole cloth because it would seem like a good character to pit up against Superman. Someone who wasn't a Luther, a brainiac, uh, which I actually meant in the generic term, but uh, <laughs> a person who uses intellect to get what they want, uh, a bruiser. Well, it goes back to the whole 90s era of the extreme character, the yep. powerhouse, bludgeoning type villain or character in general with spikes uh, and protrusions all over his body uh, yeah I, I, I remember being disappointed by that and thinking oh you know how of all the ways you can kill superman he's supposed to be impervious to physical harm how, how are you going to create somebody that just punches him to death right yeah i, I could i could imagine that uh i'm i was out of nowhere what i didn't expect from this story was how nebulous and floaty it was it exists in like a continuity that doesn't matter i there's no explanation of where doomsday comes from uh there's a little bit in the first few issues or the first few panels of there's an underworld of mutant monsters that that seems to have been a storyline that was going on through action comics Mm -hmm. at that time but that's quickly resolved and then everything else that happens with this giant monster that's getting ever closer to Metropolis and being pitted up against Superman exists almost in the ether. Like, it doesn't have any continuity. There's no gravitas to it. Uh, it's really just a big bad is making his way to the city, and Superman is trying to stall. Actually, it's not even Superman. It's Superman and various members of the Justice League. It was the C-list Justice League at the time. Yes, trying to, like, put barriers between this unstoppable juggernaut of a creature and Metropolis. But there didn't seem like there was any other consequence. There's no, no storyline, no, no plot development, no, no worry uh, about like uh, the friends of Superman. It was pretty, pretty much what it was on the page. It was just a monster was coming, but this one is actually super strong. Two things on that. 
first off, I mean, I, there's been a lot of backlash over the years saying that, yeah, this thing came out of nowhere with no backstory and just beat him up. I always liked it in a weird way, being the horror fan I am, and looking at it from, like, the Halloween standpoint, Michael mm-hmm. Myers is scary because we don't know who he is and how anything happened to him to make him the way he was. He was just a merciless killing machine with no morals, nothing. You know, and, and from that perspective, I kind of appreciate it. Even back then when I was a kid reading it, I kind of saw that. The other thing, too, is people tend to forget it. When you read this book, all these issues essentially only take place within a, a couple, maybe two hours, like a two or three hour time period. Right. Like it's all happening, boom, boom, boom. Even though you're reading it over time, like it's all in the same afternoon, essentially. Yeah, this this actual, the, the death of Superman storyline, what is it, about eight issues? Roundabout, yeah. I'm trying to remember how many I read it because I, I, I reread it in graphic novel form. Yeah, right. I think we all did, yeah. But yeah, like I, I just find it interesting too that like I think we kind of forget like it all just happened in the span of a short amount of time. Like it was brief. Like and that's one of the things that bothered me too going back and rereading this, looking back on it. This all happened within maybe two hours, we'll say, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Booster Gold and Superman are together and that's when he names it Doomsday in front of Superman. Yeah. Right? But somehow everyone is calling him Doomsday. <laughs> How did that get out has, when they were fighting the he beast? He had a great street team. <laughs> they like, Booster Gold, if, if there's anybody out there, I, I think we've actually established Booster Gold is the master of social media before there was even social media. True, true. I don't know, man. He got pounded so bad. I don't even think he could pick up a finger to type anything. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's actually another thing. As for, for a story that's the death of Superman, we see a lot of other characters getting owned to the point where, like, I guess that's part of what they're using to establish. It's the Worf effect, maybe, where, you, have you heard of the Worf effect? In Star Trek, Worf has to attack uh, a new alien that they come across, and they get owned by that alien to establish how, how, how powerful yeah. that the alien is. Mm-hmm. But the Worf effect is that over time you just start thinking Worf is really weak because <laughs> he's always getting owed. So like just seeing the Justice League show up and get pounded it was just like, alright, I guess so. This guy what was his name? Blood something? Bloodwind? Bloodwind? Well, yeah. There's a whole story behind yeah. him. Uh, yet un- yeah, I had I to look that one up. Yes, and it, spoiler alert I guess, uh, he is in fact Martian, Martian Manhunter, Manhunter who is possessed by some evil being. Bloodwind. Okay, right. <laughs> it's, it's nonsensical, and it's one of those classic things that we've encountered a lot, both in Infinity Month and in the Superman exploration, of comic book writers not realizing they're writing watershed moments. They're like, oh, just kill Superman or something. It'll stall before Lois and Clark gets to its final season. Meanwhile, it's become super iconic. There's an animated movie, another animated movie There's coming two now, out. yeah. Uh, and all these things are happening, but when you go back into the records, you're like... You gotta the, read Bloodwind. You're, like, you're gonna read about Bloodwind and trying to make Bloodwing and then Sleepwalker a thing. That wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> and Guy Gardner is just pathetic. All the, all the C-list characters in this you just hate them. You hate them and you hate the way they talk and the way they act to each other. That's my I'm, I'm curious, too, with an event like this, you know, I want to know where all the other main roster of the Justice League were. Like, why where wasn't anybody everyone? flying in? Like, well, Flash couldn't get there in time. Because? Uh, because? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, like you said, just it's happened in like two hours. It I happened honestly, real fast. It's probably because he did not realize this was a big deal. Because it didn't, <laughs> like, if you look at this book, you do not get any idea that yeah. this is, except for the fact that it ends with Superman's death, you have no idea that this is a big deal. This yeah. was like the middle of the afternoon, so Batman was asleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, why didn't Bruce just hop in a jet and get there in 20 minutes, you know? God. 
And Wonder we, Woman was not on speaking terms with Superman. At the I moment. think Wonder Woman was not on speaking terms with the rest of the uh, the Justice League because how ridiculous was the the, the Guy Gardner calling one more female teammate babe. And yeah. I just, I was gonna, I was gonna just walk from the book, drop it. Oh, I uh, get it. He's a pig. Yes, it's just, and the, everyone that really hasn't changed either. No, but. yeah, but everyone kind of just speaks with the same ridiculous tone. No one, no one treats this book as if it were important. <laughs> and I'm like, at some point, folks, you had to realize, oh right, we're killing Superman. We gotta that, and that could have been my work. That could have been a very interesting thing had they marketed the thing differently. Sure. If the, if this was a thing that you didn't realize was going to end with Superman dying, there that could have been a, been a real interesting storyline. But there, there's absolutely no way to do it with the way they marketed it. Yeah. Because actually, I believe the original storyline when it was printed was not called The Death of Superman. It was called Doomsday. Superman Doomsday? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I, can't, I can't remember anymore now. The... the um but the when the, when the proceeds. final when the yeah. final book is going, to, you have to buy it in a black poly bag with a Superman logo dripping with blood on the cover. Yeah, I, I, it kind of gives away the ending, right? <laughs> um, uh, Maxima was pretty cool though. I kind of liked her. She was yeah. alright. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's alright. Surprisingly, for for the character that uh, came from another world to stalk and mate with Superman, oh yeah, Lord. I didn't. That know was her that. origin. All right, she men- makes passing reference to it. Oh God! All right, but again, so, for the '90s, you didn't yeah. really see a lot of female strong characters like yeah. that. Essentially, that was taking charge. Let's talk about some of the the high points of the book because mm-hmm. there are there are plenty. Can uh, you mention something about it in pre production? You were talking about how the panels are laid out. Yeah, as we get into the last four issues, starting with the fourth to last issue, every page, if you notice, it, it becomes a, a countdown. So every page on that first book of the last four is four panels per page. As we get to the next book, three, it goes to three panels and the next two, and then ultimately the last one is all splash pages. Right. And that had an impact. There was, I, I did not notice, oh my God, I just, I just came upon the part of that little kid, that not even little kid, that teenager... Oh, who's just so whiny and he hates Superman and he hates, he hates uh, his assemblies and he hates his family. Oh, that kid is just insufferable. Upset that he didn't have soda in the fridge. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, so terrible. Anyways, yeah, there was a there was a sense of um, urgency. I, I did feel as it transitioned into splash pages. I, I was, you know, that, that worked for me, mm-hmm. uh, more or less. I didn't notice it, actually. Yeah. But after having it pointed out, I do remember the... The pace feeling like it was quickening and building up to something. Mitch. The kid's name is Mitch. Mitch. Oh, Mitch. Home sweet home. What a dump. I mean, I hate this hole. Mitch, dear, is that you? (laughs) All right, so when are we doing an audio version of this, Frank? No, it's Axl Rose and the band. Come on. Come on. That was awful. There you go, Pete. Which band? <laughs> they could and then I don't know. Axel will only ever be part of one band. Man. I, I'm sorry, real quick Patreon perk, Frank. We're gonna yeah. have you do a one man show of the death of Superman. Yeah, just do all of Mitch's yeah. voices and oh lord. Oh no no no! I want to yeah. do Doomsday. <laughs> Good. Uh, I did not realize. I had to actually go back and find the part where Doomsday's arm gets uh, released from behind his shoulder. Mm. The whole time I'm like, what? I thought Doomsday would have more protrusions and also two arms. What's going on here? When's that going to be explained? Well, I want to know how he was in that suit and none of the bones were jutting out of the suit. Yeah. I want to know why he was in that suit. I think he may not have had those bones at the time. 
Yeah. So they just it's, brought it out within a matter of like 20 minutes yeah, or an hour? That's the gimmick. Is they that, do actually show a little bit of a, of him evolving. Yeah, in that first panel go. when he's beating his way out of the prison. Yeah. I mean, we're never I thought, explained in the story. I thought that was, a le- that was something that was later added on, the fact that Doomsday continuously evolves. evolves yeah. But w- going back and rereading it, I'm noticing those protrusions on the spikes on his hand get longer. Oh, right. Okay. So I'm as curious. He uses them. I'm curious as to whether that was intentional or not. I'd really love to. I'd love to hear the origin of of this. But for me, the takeaway for this book, at least, is that I am shocked. Something so iconic to the brand of Superman has such meager roots, and honestly, I'm a little disappointed in that. Because now you can't do a Superman story because it's really hard to do a good Superman story, apparently. And you can't do it without somebody eventually saying, you know what we should bring out? Death of Superman. Mm. And that kind of feels... Imagine if Spider-Man can only be told with a Clone Saga button. It's like, oh, God, we can we only have Clone Saga? Or every other thing turns out to be like Spider-Man no more. Yeah, it it just or if like every time you tell a Spider-Man story, you recap his origin. Yeah, and I, oh, that's wait. that's a good point because there are certain elements in these characters that are iconic. Usually, the origins of Batman, mm. Superman, Spider-Man, whoever. It does explain. Yeah. You, you got a point. That does explain where Spider-Man started and where he goes mm-hmm. afterwards. But it, but this is telling the end every time. Yeah, and it's not necessarily. Maybe not even a story worth telling. And it, for me, I've heard it retold so often that I could say that the retellings are better often, even though they're not mm-hmm. great. I don't know that. So I guess I'll. I guess argument. since I'm doing it, uh, my review for Death of Superman after waiting what twenty more than twenty years? How many years has it been? Ninety two. So twenty six years. After more than a quarter of a century, ugh, oh. I'm gonna give this a. Fair? Fair. Okay. Honestly, I th- I would give it a good if I'm like, you know, it depends. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you don't. That's usually where my go-to is for good. But I think you'd be better served not reading this. Hmm. If, you were, uh, if you actually like Superman as a character, you're not going to miss anything. I didn't feel like I got any more insight from this character now knowing a few panels and a Wikipedia article would have filled it in pretty well for me. Okay. Oof. I can't believe that. Ah, oh, wow. Uh... I mean, this, when you boil it down, is the story of Superman trying to stop a guy who's trying to go to Metropolis to see a wrestling show. (laughs) Correct. Uh, (laughs) I want to change my rating of this book. Yeah. Okay, good. Because you almost talked me down no. from from a near mint to a good. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I think the story is too iconic. It's it's something that is required reading. Mm. Um, and on that basis, I, I, I'm going to give it a near mint. Okay, it, okay. It definitely holds up to the standards of the 90s. Fair enough. Um, your mileage may vary in these days. Wow, I thought I was going to be the only one to actually say that. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that's <laughs> um, I thought it's still a great little time capsule of, of a period that you could either consider good or bad, you know, depending on how where you were when, when you read it or your mind frame of that era. But I think it's a fast-paced story. I think it's a, a fun read to a degree. Um, I love the action. I love the momentum. And it, I, it still holds a place for me. I'm going to go near mint. 
Very cool. Fair enough, fair enough. It is an iconic story. So iconic, in fact, that we're going to actually give you a little bit of a sample of an actual news broadcast from the early 90s that talked about Death of Superman in as alien a language as they could, as if they were talking about people's heads screwed on backwards. And we're going to come back with another take on, on, on this iconic story. Man of Steel has proven to be as vulnerable as the mere mortals who've looked up to him for more than half a century. Superman died Wednesday. East Greg Agnew reports on a world without the first superhero. I'm saddened and disappointed by it. I feel like the uh, what they're going to do now is probably uh, bring him back in a sort of like a um, more modern, a little less uh, interesting version. That's a terrible thing. One less fantasy figure. I mean, what are what are us women to do? <laughs> Who can we look up to if not Superman? Superman meets his demise at the hands of supervillain Doomsday in the 75th edition of the popular DC comic. There's a big fight between a character called Doomsday and Superman, and Superman is trying to protect Metropolis and his friends and the Lois and the other superheroes and uh, makes the ultimate sacrifice. Experts say the ultimate sacrifice could be profitable for collectors. It usually depends on how quickly a, a comic sells out. Well, it depends on how many people want the uh, the particular issue. I mean, if there's 20 million people out there that want the two and a half million copies, then the loss of supply and demand will take hold. Regardless of how the masses feel, there's one special breed of expert who knows the true bottom line: the serious investor. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's like good or bad because, well, it doesn't really matter about the the um the comic or like the person. This matter is of how much money it, it, cost, it costs and how much money it's worth. Critics say the lure of future profits will force Superman to come back. Comics are a business, so they want to generate as much sales as they can, and, and anything they can bring in to generate the sales in terms of storylines or things of that nature, they'll, they'll do it. And, of course, the real experts are the ones who determine the law of supply and demand. I'll get the first one. From Los Angeles, I'm Greg Agnew for E! News Daily. All right, back on Near Mint. So, we talked about the death of Superman, the official TM death of Superman from 1992. But there was an earlier death of Superman sort of story. At least another final tale, quote, final tale mm-hmm. for the man of tomorrow. And that is whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, a 1986 book. Uh, penned by Alan Moore, and uh, sort of a um, treatise on the end of, I believe, Action Comics. It was the wrapping up of Action Comics. What it was, was Crisis on Infinite Earths was in the process of coming out. Right, and a little uh, background on that is just... Yeah, it was a DC-wide event that was going to collapse all the weird alternate realities that DC had into one single reality and you wouldn't have to worry about all these different continuities and all of the comics were going to basically start over launch fresh anything that happened in the past maybe it happened maybe it did happen maybe not it was a clean slate for the writers right so you didn't have to worry about whether or not superman showed up in the 1930s and fought Mm -hmm. nazis or in the 80s and was a contemporary of modern comics and superman fell to writer john byrne who was bet to publish his four-part miniseries, The Man of Steel. Right. Which was going to reset the slate for Superman. These were the, uh, the final two issues of Action Comics and Superman that were going to be edited by the longtime editor, Julius Schwartz. 
Right. So he came up with the idea of wanting to tell the last Superman story. Yeah, which, to actually bookend and like close yeah, off the series. Wrap up all the uh, the threads, and he could do whatever he wanted because this was, in a month, going to be essentially a, uh, a an imaginary story. Exactly. It no longer would have happened. So he went to Jerry Siegel. That's right, who contractually was not able to write this last story. Correct. Because that would have been a wonderful bookend. That would have been Jerry Siegel mm-hmm. wrote the first uh, Superman story. He would have wrote the last one. Yeah. And it would have been very interesting. So they went to some hack artsy dude <laughs> who Al. apparently physically threatened Julius Schwartz. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, he, in the, uh, the, no- the graphic novel version of this, there's a forward... Oh. Uh, by Julius Schwartz telling the story of how this book came about. And he says he was at a convention with Alan Moore. And he, <laughs> he, he was telling him about the idea and st- sort of feeling him out. And he says Alan Moore stood up, put his hands around his throat and said, if you don't let me write this book, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> which uh, I, from what I know of Alan Moore, I, yeah. I would not just dismiss that as a joke. Let me just state, I know I'm a fan of Alan Moore's work. That's not entirely true. There's, I have, There are books that I haven't liked. There are books that I really like. And I know maybe at, at some point or other, I, I made myself appear to be a super Alan Moore fanboy, and he could do no wrong. Um, I can't wait to review this book. Okay. Well, real quick, history-wise, because uh, I am I forget. Is, is Alan Moore writing this pre or post-Watchmen? Uh, I, th- I think it's... Pre, it's it's post um, uh, oh, Swamp Thing. Okay, yeah, okay, so he yes. was already writing yes. for DC and doing some stuff for uh, for them. So it's, so it's already still either way. It's still an interesting guy to actually bring into Superman lore, right? And the cool thing about what Alan Moore did in this project, not to start pre editorializing or whatever, is that he did pour over the entire history of the sometimes incredibly wacky golden and silver age Superman stories and attempt to pull out the most important things and address them. I was just going to say that uh, Watchmen was published from September 1986 to October 1987. So he must have been working on both of these books at the same time. Wow. Uh, insane. So it actually casts Watchmen in kind of a new light for me. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this book is that it is very much written in a golden slash silver age style. Yeah. Um, it, especially comparison to Death of Superman, you could see, you, it feels more dated in its both its art style and mm-hmm. the art was mostly by Kurt Swan, who was a longtime Superman uh, artist. Uh, and also in the the subject matter and the language used uh, in this, Superman finds that his vil- the, the the normal pesky villains in his repertoire are becoming super violent and deadly, mm-hmm. uh, including the toy pranksters. I think is what they're called, the fearsome funsters. Yeah, yeah ridiculous. Toy man and the prankster. Yeah. I believe. Yes, uh, Luther and Brainiac come back and join forces in interesting ways. Even Bizarro returns, and Bizarro at the time was very much like a nuisance character. He's a funny back. Words talking weird guy. I didn't realize even back then he was wearing the the number one on his chest or the, the medallion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, in fact, it's a the flavor flavor <laughs> number one <laughs> over. Yeah, and I think it, it was like an early thing, a super early thing that that um, 
that Alan Moore purposely brought back to say, I mean, this is 86. It's not that it's not that early in comics. It the all these little signatures are intentionally brought back to get a certain aesthetic that makes you feel like this is a Superman legacy yeah. book. I really did like the, the just while we're talking about Bizarro, I liked the way Moore took the concept of Bizarro being the opposite of Superman to its like ludicrous uh, uh, extreme. Yes. Yeah. You know, the to point the point where it's it's you know Superman's alive, so Bizarro has to be dead. Yeah, and he yeah. doesn't finish it, but <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he's using blue kryptonite to kill himself, which is a another thing straight yeah. from the Silver Age comics. Yep. So this story uh, again, the villains of Superman, the Superman Pantheon, are coming back. There's a little bit of a mystery. There's almost a Watchmen like mystery of you know what's going on in these superhero circles. Like what is what is the dark ominous? Who is the mysterious figure behind all of this causing yeah. evil? All this evil to unfold, and um, it turns the, out it's the obvious one. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> not, not, not quite. Yeah. Not exactly. Yeah. You're right. I would not say that at all because you're very much led astray and thought it was it's Luther Brainiac, which was a bizarre, like twisted take oh, for that. Yeah, uh, but instead, and and the most of the threat that's being directed at Superman is very interestingly on his fa- his friends and family because they are his weakness there are his his love and his hope are his weakness more than kryptonite is mm-hmm. uh, I can't believe I also never read this story this is my first read through I'm really really impressed with how much love and care was attributed to this story and then how much he flipped it on its side on top of all that too yes like how dark he actually did it with keeping with that old school feel it was a love letter to the silver and golden age stories and i'm amazed with the foresight that alan moore and schwartz had when putting this together realizing that this was going to really be the last of those type of stories that was going to be written right yeah, the the comic industry was changing in a way that it was never going to be the same, and that is incredible to me because this thing really ri- rides the line between silver and bronze age. The mm. darkness that are people dying in the streets, uh, a prankster com- uh, villain that actually kills people, mm-hmm. or no, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know the ridiculousness of I have to destroy the golden key that is the the only way of getting into my fortress of solitude. In in a lot of ways, it's very much the Silver Age characters trying to fight against the Bronze Age. Exactly. You know, yeah. seeing the Bronze Age coming and trying to deal with it. It's it's incredible. I mean, a lot of people. Again, it's very easy to exaggerate Alan Moore's influence and effect and his ability. But this is one of those cases where you look at it and you're like, this is a person who has mastered. The, the art form they've chosen to take up. And this is like a, a wonderful comic book. It's yeah. a wonderful comic book about comic books. And about I, I, I am shocked. I almost wish I didn't know it was Alan Moore while reading it so I could be like, I, this is 100% unbiased, <laughs> pure love of the story. Um, and the, the, the way everything is addressed, that we, we address, we, un, we unmask Clark Kent, Right in this storyline, we um, we deal with his uh, Superman's greatest foes in a in an interesting way. We deal with his weird relationship with the future because Superman in the multiple the multiverse is always odd. And we've got the and we uh, get the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and uh, I, I, even to the point where crypto I'll gets crypto uh, gets a lot of real estate on the page, and a tragic end that to me doesn't feel like it's uh, grimdark. You know, no. you know, it's not done for the purposes of making people upset. It's done to give crypto like his due, to, and it's that transition. It's very interesting. I, 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 on that same vein, when the Legion of Superheroes shows up and Clark has to deal with Supergirl, mm-hmm. who has, and I didn't realize this was happening so close to Crisis when I first read it, but this this really came out right after that iconic Crisis cover of Superman holding the dead Supergirl right. in his arms. This is just after she died in his universe and he's coming face to face with her again and he can't tell her about what's happening yeah, or what happens. There are little Easter eggs of the various times people in the Superman family get superpowers <laughs> and the tragic results of them in this. Mm-hmm. And they deal a lot, much more gracefully with the romance between Lana Lois and Superman. Mm. It's specifically between Lois and Superman in this story than I think any of the other attempts to deal with it. It's, it's an interesting examination of their relationship and what it means and the consequences of it as well right and i don't know that ending although i'm a little hesitant about it it's a little there's a little bit of unsettlingness there's a little bit of almost um ham-fistedness at times too with superman walking into the golden kryptonite but the fact that it ends with a wink there's something about it that i could say all right not bad i mean the only my like my only issue with it and it's not even much of an issue it's just the fact that it was so obvious from the beginning what the relationship yeah. was with Lois and his and her new husband during that the interview D-bag? yeah oh you the guy who hates Superman yep I hated him what was what was his deal and why do they end with him <laughs> oh yeah I mean I think what I think what, what what did it was tipping his hat was tipping the the the, the hat too early when they introduced the baby Maybe, yeah. I I definitely had my inclination in the very beginning, but I also think that might be good. This may be fanboying. That might be good storytelling uh, in that one of the things that, you know, we did this actually in uh, Superior Spider-Man where we said this was an amazing story. I wish they hadn't bothered wasting time telling people this was going to be permanent because it's fun. Let's just enjoy it Mm -hmm. as fun. Mm -hmm. I think telling people, like, I'm telling the story about the death of Superman, but don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't freak out. (laughs) It's kind of cool. I think there's some value to it. So maybe maybe I I, I let my guard down a little bit because I was like, all right, Superman, but it's going to end with a wink, and she's talking about a mysterious husband who's not there. I don't like his name. Jordan Elliott. Yeah. Until I heard, I figured it out afterwards or read about it, and it was Jor El. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. And his son yep. is named Jonathan. Yep. Yeah. And he's a, he's working in the diamond mind. I don't know. Yeah. About that. <laughs> no, I get it. I know all about this dude. Yeah. I just I think he's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, Nobody why explain would, it to him? Just why would him. Lois marry a guy who hated Superman that much? <sighs> well, who knows? Did she have no more feelings Ask for him? James Marsden. <laughs> Here's a there, <laughs> all right. So uh, yes, I I was shocked about how much I enjoy this story, and I think as a bookend to a classic character, I don't know if you could do a better job. I re- it's weird because it doesn't totally feel like a Superman story to me, especially the way it wraps up. But at the same time, I'm like, if you had to do it, I'm glad they did it this way. Yeah. What did you guys think? 
Well, you rating it or? Uh, let's do it around the other way around. You want to go first? All right. Um, I, again, the only thing I had a real issue with was them just kind of hinting too early mm-hmm. about where, where, where this was going to end or how this was going to end. But yeah, I think I think it's all summed up. I mean, the love and respect for the feel of the old books, meeting where it was going to be going contemporarily at that point. Again, just like the first book we did, for me, it's, it's, it's a weird, cool time capsule that I think is better written and developed than what we just had, had discussed in the last book. I, I think I might actually have to go min on it. Very good. Very good. Um, I have never been a big fan of I, – I've been a fan of the concept of the Silver Age characters and the feel of it. I've never been a fan of reading Silver Age stories. Uh, so on that, I, I have to give it a, uh, a near mint. However, I will qualify that by saying that Alan Moore definitely impressed me with the affection that he does have that I never understood. I always thought he kind of hated the Silver Age and uh-huh. liked tearing it down at every chance. But he does have an affection for it. And I, I think, I don't remember, I, I can't remember if we actually reviewed Watchmen, but whatever it was, I'm retroactively uh, bumping up my review of Watchmen by one grade. Wow, nice, nice. Because of this. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I was a little surprised by how much I enjoyed this story. I know it showed up in a lot of like best books for Superman, and I'm still hesitant about that. I really don't know if it is my favorite Superman story. And, I'm, and this entire review, I'm a little, uh, like this month or so we've been doing this, I'm a little hesitant that there's so many of the classic Superman stories are these iconic moments, origins and, and what ifs and what have you. Um, but for a book, for itself, and as a transition piece between the Silver Age and the Bronze Age, I am shocked by how well this this reads. And I'm going to go Mint. Awesome. Actually, yeah. hasn't been this close in a review for a long time. Yeah, it's, yeah we, 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 it's been a while. And I, but, uh, I, I think it took Superman to jostle a lot of it up, too. There was a lot of alternate ratings for books between us and... Yeah, we. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. uh, I think the the important thing, the great takeaway for Superman is he is a he is an iconic character. He is uh, he means more than even the words on the page you're reading mean, which is a little uh, it's a little heavy, you know, a he- heavy cross to bear. But um, ultimately, like it, it depends on the type of story you enjoy. If you're a Superman fan, you can find good Superman stories. And if you're not, you can kind of use it to build your own good Superman stories. But, you know, buyer beware on that, uh, as always. Uh, But this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. I think we should do another great event next month. I was just going to say, I can't wait for your next idea. I think the next idea is going to be entirely on... um, Smurfs. Yes, the very Belgian comic Smurfs. Absolutely. He said it. It's there. Uh, (laughs) Did you say all payo? If you uh, are looking forward to us reviewing Smurfs, I guess, uh, why don't you like and follow our show? Give us a five-star rating because it would help us so much get the word out. Nonproductive is a listener-supported radio station. Go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nonpro for more wonderful bits, including a Patreon special where I will read The Death of Superman specifically the what's his name again i forgot his name already that mitch mitch, mitch. mitch's 
lines in the most Mitchy voice I could think of. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.